no such thing as ugly win, just there's wins and there's losses, and the losses are ugly and the wins are beautiful. CCR 75, September 2nd, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by FantasyCPR.com. The fantasy football season is here. Prepare to dominate your league at FantasyCPR.com. CCR. Oh, in the building. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, touchdown. Still on the mission, though. Still on the mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we have another visit with Ross Tucker of SI.com and Sirius Satellite Radio. Big Nick joins us to give us a fan's perspective on the team's struggles. And we have a recap of the Panthers' loss to the Ravens. Casey ready, staring at the spot. Keeps his head down, he follows through, the crowd's optimistic, and it is good. Block of the throw on second down. Good protection, going end zone, touchdown Todd Heath! Give it to McKay, and he is in for the touchdown. Second score of the night for the Ravens offense. 38-yard try, Sam Cook holding. Houska's kick is up, and it is good. Splits the upright. Birmingham in the eye. Gets it from McCown. Tries the right side. Touchdown, Panthers. 50-yard field goal, John Casey. It's a line driver. It is up, and it's good. Baltimore 17, Carolina 13. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Game three of the preseason gave us the same result as the first two, a loss. You know, it wouldn't have been so bad except that the Ravens didn't just bring the stifling defense they're known for to Charlotte. They also racked up some serious offensive stats on our Panthers. In the game, the Ravens gained 421 total yards of offense, while Joe Flacco, Baltimore's second-year quarterback, put up 247 yards on 23 of 28 passing. Meanwhile, the Carolina offense didn't look sharp, though they were playing without D'Angelo Williams and Masin Muhammad. The Panthers were able to manage only 281 yards of offense. The 17-13 score really was far from indicative of how lopsided this game was, especially when the starters for both teams were on the field. Coach Fox says he saw some good and some bad. Well, I think we showed some improvements on offense. You know, I was pleased with the way Mike Goodson ran. I thought we blocked and protected pretty well up front. I thought Jake was pretty accurate with the ball. Um, you know, we had some uh, unmanageable third down situations that uh, you don't like to see, but that's more not being efficient on first and second down. You know, defensively, I think overall I was disappointed as far as uh, our zip, you know, reacting to the ball and tackling. And that's something we've got to clean up. It uh, proved from week one to week two, but I think we slipped a little backwards uh, this last game. Now we could play clip after clip here. Instead, Let's bring in our long-lost friend to discuss this game and all things relating to our Carolina Panthers. I present to you, once again, Nick Yeoman, a.k.a. Big Nick 2700. John, it has been a while. It's, uh, it's good to talk to you once again, and it's good to, uh, to grace your airwaves of Cat Crave Radio. <laughs> well, we, we've had all these gremlins and 
you know, uh, well, it's maybe we don't have the gremlins all worked out, but at least we could get you on here by phone and and talk a little bit about the team. And the first thing, I guess, first things first, we'll go in order, chronological order. We're burying the lead, but that Ravens game. Well, the Ravens game and, and even the two before it. Um, just Just taking that Ravens game, specifically that game, what did you see, I mean, as a fan, was there anything that just stood out to you that made you think, what in the world is this? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I saw was the things that I didn't see, and that would be D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, John Beeson, Thomas Davis, Charles Godfrey, none of those guys out there. But, you know, there's still no excuse for the, the missed assignments and the poor tackling, and, and uh, it's, it's been frustrating, you know, watching this team. You know, you, you bounce back and forth. You want to say, okay, it's preseason. you got to take this with a grain of salt. But when you're 0-3 and you're seeing as much missed tackles as you've seen so far, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating, and it's it's just the little things that really start to bother your mind. I mean, I know that, that Fox has come out and, and he and Mix or Meeks, you know, they want to throw a vanilla look at everybody. Um, but yeah, it's been very frustrating. It's 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 definitely a cause for concern heading into the season. Um, you know, you don't need to show your entire hand, but uh, they have not looked good at all in either any three of the preseason games. Well, you've mentioned one of the the major issues, and the one that got brought up the most often, and that's tackling, but honestly, the secondary has looked kind of rough. Um, You know, our shutdown corner, Chris Gamble, was just getting burned left and right the other night. He said he missed assignments, but it brings up an issue. We've got Meeks trying to put in his new defense. We know that's, you know, that's something that has been a, a major... I'm sure a major point of emphasis for them all off season, but only 22 practices at training camp. I'm sure they've practiced a lot more since then, but getting this defense put in, I mean, you, do you think they've got enough time? I mean, for, from my perspective, it looks like there's just not enough time to put in every piece of this defense and have everybody up to speed before they start. Well, I mean, it's tough to tell because, you know, from what we had heard from the players, the defense wasn't a whole lot different from what we saw from Turgovac. Obviously, you know, you're going to have your little ins and outs stuff. So, you know, part of me thinks that that shouldn't be an excuse. But at the same time, you know, terminology changes. You've got to you've got to play with it. You know, they got a lot of young guys out there playing, you know, uh, with Captain Munderland seeing time and, and with some of these linebackers going down and the interior defensive line. So a lot of guys mixing around. I, hopefully, you know, as a fan, you got to hope that maybe it'll be there'll be a second half defense. I mean, last year, you know, it was a very good defense in the first half of the season, and then they just fell apart. Um, so I, I think you got to hope that maybe they'll figure it out quickly, and then they'll really part, put together some strong performances in the second half of the season. But with the schedule the way it is, uh, you can't just come out against Philadelphia and Atlanta and Dallas and and not have a def- defense ready. And so far. Uh, you know, they haven't really shown us anything to think that, that they can slow down a, a high-powered offense like Philadelphia in Week 1. Well, i got to admit, I've, I've woke up in cold sweats having massive, massive nightmares about this team. And what I saw against Arizona, I hate to keep bringing up Arizona, but the reason I bring it up is that the team was using that zone defense. Larry Fitzgerald just, I mean, he just torched the team. This is a Tampa 2. You're going to use that uh, that that zone defense of theirs, and instead of using the shutdown corner and put him on, you know, the other team's number one wide receiver one on one, are you getting that same sense? I mean, I, I'm just 
it worries me to death. I mean, what I saw against Arizona, I hate to see it repeated. Not that I'm saying it will, but it just seems to me like there's a chance. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, well, we're already seeing way too much, you know, playing off the ball seven yards off of wide receivers. And, and of course, you got to remember, you know, part of a good pass defense is a good pass rush. And we haven't seen that so far in the preseason. We didn't see it in that Arizona game. Um, Julius Peppers, Everett Brown, these guys, they got to start getting to the quarterback. And you got to get some push from the interior D-line as well. The whole defense, you know, you function as a unit. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a major cause for concern. Chris Gamble's a guy that, you know, he's got to go out there and earn this money. We're, the, the Panthers unloaded and, and are, are paying him a monster contract. And, and for him to have missed assignments, that's really uh, – it shouldn't be an excuse because he is the veteran guy of this unit. And, and I know you've got guys that are moving around. Richard Marshall, you know, adapting to that second-quarter spot. Uh, you know, Sherrod Martin's moving around to replace Charles Godfrey back at safety. But, yeah, it, it's a major cause for concern. And I think a lot of Panthers fans are having nightmares that, you know, okay, the Arizona game, it was one game. Now we should put it behind us and we can continue to, to strive to be a better defense. And so far, you haven't seen it. Well, I said this at the top. We we buried the lead. I buried the lead. I'm, I'm the one, uh, unfortunately, responsible for that. It's my fault. Uh, but the Richardsons. Uh, this, this story broke on Tuesday. Big story. Uh, of course, we've still got the big cat around, but then we get the dual resignations of his sons, John and Mark. Uh, John, who had been the head of stadium operations, Mark, who had been the team president. I guess first, you know, your initial reaction to their their sudden, well, Mark's sudden resignation. John had put in uh, notice about a month ago. But what impact do you think this has on the team and, and your sort of your take on how it, it unfolded? Well, you know, my first initial reaction is, you know, you start to panic and you think, oh, boy, are they going to sell the team? Could there be, in a worst-case scenario, a move? And, and obviously, you know, they come out and, and all those rumors have been dispelled. But it's, it's really just the, the timing of it is really the weirdest part. And I know that, you know, now is when everything in the front office is done and, and you kind of sit back and you say, hey, we've done all we can do. Let's see what this team can do for this season. But, you know, two weeks before the regular season starts to have a major shakeup in the front office it's just it's mind-boggling. You can't. I can't really you know wrap my mind around it, um, especially because with, with Jerry Big Cat, with the situation with his health, it only made sense that Mark would be the guy down the road to take over as the owner of this team. And uh, for Mark to step down, obviously you said you know John, we saw this one coming. He hasn't been in the best of health either, but. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a mind-boggling thing and one that's kind of shaking this franchise and and one I don't think a lot of people saw coming. Well, I guess as long as we've got Jerry around, you know, the culture with the team, the their direction should remain intact. Um, other board members are saying, you know, the big cat's in charge. Don't worry about it. You know, he's large and in charge, no problem. But like you said, his health is an issue, and then with his two sons gone, I mean, it's it's an area of concern. Um, I guess we'll see this one. Uh, maybe it'll just iron itself out, and they'll they'll bring in replacements. But um, moving on to a roster move, the team, of course, you know, chemo's out, gone for the year. Then they bring in someone by trade, probably, and they they said an undisclosed draft choice, meaning more than likely sixth, seventh rounder. They're not going to throw anything big around. But bringing in Lewis Leonard, what can you tell us about Lewis? Uh, who 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 again? 
What's his name? <laughs> Lewis Leonard. <laughs> well, you know, he's a big guy, 6'4", 325. I guess, you know, he, he has playing experience from you know, his time with the Cleveland Browns. Started four games. He's seen action. I think I heard like 20, which, you know, who knows if that means he's any good, but it, what it does mean is he's got experience, and that's something that, you know, Nick Hayden doesn't have a lot. Corby Irvin doesn't have a lot. Uh, Marlon Favor doesn't have a lot. So, you know, all indications you would think, as long as this guy isn't absolutely horrible, he's going to start day one. Um, so it's it's a good pickup. You know, the Panthers were put in such a difficult situation with, with chemo going down and the lack of depth at that defensive tackle spot that I think we all saw a roster move coming. Um, so we'll, we'll see if this guy works out. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. I heard some there were some Cleveland beat writers that weren't even sure about that this guy was, was on their team last year or not. So we'll see how it works out. But it was a move that the Panthers absolutely had to make. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping at least maybe he was the anonymous guy. Maybe he was in the you know, the witness relocation program a little bit like Maaki was because not people, you know, people really didn't know his name. I mean, he wasn't that well known. He just took up space and he was a guy it took, you know, 10 seconds to run around. So maybe this guy fills that role. But speaking of roster moves, and I was a little surprised by this in some ways and in other ways I wasn't. And that is Ryan Robinson gone. Um, Coming back from his knee, I mean, was that a surprise to you? Uh, you know, not as much. I mean, I think we've seen enough from Kenneth Moore in training camp and in the preseason, and I think they've got so much stock put into the potential in Dwayne Jarrett. Obviously, we haven't seen anything from Dwayne Jarrett yet that I just don't think there was any room uh, for Ryan Robinson. I mean, you know, he, he was a, he seemed like he, he was decent in the return game, but if he couldn't stay healthy last year, you know, there were some question marks coming in this year. And, and obviously, if you, don't have a, if you don't have a good camp, and, uh, and you're right on the bubble there, it, it probably doesn't surprise me. One of the moves that, that surprised me just recently was Nate Sally put on the IR. Uh, and that one kind of surprised me. I'm, Nate Sally's been on this team, what, two, three years now, it seems like, and, and we really haven't seen him step up and, and get any playing time. And for them to just move him on the IR when there's roster spots that they need to fill, uh, it, it kind of surprises me there. Yeah, that one did surprise me a bit. Uh, C.J. Davis going on the injured reserve. No shocker. Uh, Lonnie Harvey, Gerald Cadigan, uh, Lorenzo Williams, those moves, not really a surprise. Other than Maybe Cadigan is a bit of a surprise because of the lack of depth they've got along the offensive line, but did any of those other moves at all, did they, did they surprise you in the least? No, no, I'm with you. The, the only one that just slightly surprised me was Cadigan because uh, I know a lot of scouts had, had said that he was one of the best offensive linemen that wasn't drafted, so... Uh, yeah, with the lack of lack of depth and, and really as, as poorly as we've seen Jeff Schwartz play, uh, I was kind of surprised that Cadigan got cut as well, but uh, in the long run, probably shouldn't be as surprised as I was. All right, now I had a conversation or 10 with some guys down in, in Spartanburg about this. I, I, I still have my questions. I have some doubts in my mind that it could happen, but Saturday is the final cutdown day. The team's got to be at 53 players, so... There's going to be a surprise or two in there, even if they're mild surprises. I'm going to throw you two names, and you tell me what you think about them, and then if you have any surprise names uh, kind of rolling around in your mind. I think Landon Johnson and Dante Wesley are in major danger of not making the team. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I think Landon, Landon Johnson's probably the biggest one just because of, of how well he played in Cincinnati before he came here. You know, led the team in tackles over there. 
three out of four years or something along those lines. And, and he just hasn't he hasn't found a spot on this team. And, and with guys like you know Jay Lehman, who's played his butt off in the preseason, Dan Connor, a guy you have a lot of potential in, and of course. Then you got the three starters that are all, you know, really solid. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Landon Johnson, he, he may be that, that big name, but, but wouldn't be a real surprise to me. And as far as Dante Wesley, he's kind of in that same boat where he's been with this team for a long time. He's a good special teams player, but when you've got a lot of young defensive backs like the Panthers have brought in the last couple of years, he may not have a job anymore. Anybody you think that could go? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, I think Landon Johnson was probably the big one on my list. Um, you know, the wide receiver spot is, is solid. I think there's a potential you could see one of the tight ends let go. Um, you know, obviously they're going to need to keep another fullback. They're wanting to keep Fiametta, so that could take away one of the tight end spots. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Gary Barnage, I know how, much, how high you've been on him, and I think he definitely has a spot on this team. And, and I think Jeff King is also, you know, that good blocking tight end. So Dante Rosario may be a name that gets thrown around as one of the surprise cuts. Yeah, now that would be that would be an interesting cut, and I mean he can play some special teams, but you never know. Okay, so we could have some major cuts potentially. Uh, I'll throw you a name, and you tell me that because this was this was bannered about down there. It was thrown around some, and it would shock me. I mean, I I, I would have to call. Well, I'd have to call somebody for counseling if this happened. But somebody throws around the name Niall Diggs. And I, I don't think it happens. But then, if you if you want to work your cap a little bit, massage the numbers some. Maybe he's a guy you can replace with a Dan Connor, or potentially with with somebody like you said, a Jay Lehman, who's really been playing his tail off. I mean, he has looked incredible. He's always around the ball. But Niall Diggs, your thoughts? Well, and, and and James Anderson's another one who's played really well in this preseason as yeah. well. But a guy that you know is a guy that's probably on the chopping block that knows that his job is on the line, that would, I'd be with you, that would shock me to lose, lose Niall Diggs. I mean, I know that of the three starting linebackers, he's that other guy. You know, everyone knows about John Beeson. Most people know about Thomas Davis. And you kind of forget about Niall Diggs, but I think he's a solid player. Uh, I know this this team has been in a rough cap situation. We've seen it with the Peppers ordeal all, all summer long. But, yeah, die on with you. That would absolutely shock me if Niall Diggs was let go. Well, Mr. Nick, we appreciate you stopping off with us. Maybe we can make this a regular thing, you know. I mean, maybe the uh, maybe the problems persist and we've got technical issues. But, um, I mean, it's it's a phone line, but, you know, maybe we could keep bringing you on this way. Hey, you know what? We'll do what we got to do. That's, that's what it's all about. We'll make do. You know, if you just got to plug in a phone line like we're plugging in, you know, this new defensive tackle, we'll get it done, John. Uh, I appreciate you having me on the show again. When we come back, we'll be talking to Ross Tucker of SI.com and Sirius Satellite Radio. That's next. All for the Panthers and Panthers for all. This is Cat Crave Radio. All-star fans, all-star content. Insider.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no offseason, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. Imagine the greatest sports personalities all on one show. Unfortunately, the best we could find were these guys. Welcome back to Cat Grave Radio.
Joining us now is Ross Tucker. Ross is uh, sort of a, a media giant. Ross is uh, he's one of the contributors over at SI.com. He's a serious satellite radio host. He's also the, uh, the owner and operator of GoBigRecruiting.com. Ross, thanks for joining us. Anytime. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Um, Ross, I understand that you had the chance to travel a little bit from uh, from training camp to training camp with Peter King. What was that like? It was really neat. It, it was a really, uh, truly unique experience. You know, I think most people would agree that he's the best pro football writer really in the world uh, as it relates to the National Football League. So it was an honor and a privilege, you know, to be with him on his voyage, or at least the first part of it, and just neat to see how he works things, how he talks to sources, uh, the access that he's granted at a lot of these camps we went to. It was really a, a neat thing. You know, he just built up these relationships and this reputation over so much time that, you know, he sits down for coffee with head coaches, or, you know, it's just he really gets a lot of time with these guys, which is nice. And maybe this is a stupid question, but I know you've been through it you know, as a player, you've you've been there now on on the other side of that fence where you're a media member. Which one did you enjoy the most? Oh, geez. Well, probably uh, as a media member because it's a lot better on your body. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anytime people complain about how much money NFL players make and all that stuff, without even getting into the fact that you know the market is what it is, I often tell people, um, you know through training camp go through the two days and see what that's like because uh, it's not easy and anybody that gets through it has a certain level of toughness so uh, it wasn't easy either being on the road and a lot of rental cars driving around late at night not a whole lot of sleep but uh, it was tolerable knowing I didn't have to perform physically the next day I just had to stand there and watch when I was down at uh, Panthers camp and I asked a question and it, it got me a nasty look but I asked Steve Smith about the team's overall attitude, if he thought that they had a little bit of a swagger, but it, they seem to be really relaxed, and when you watch these guys, they looked either, I'm not sure if it was business-like or if it was that they were just, I don't know, they just seemed to be kind of going through the motions at times. Can a team be too relaxed in camp, or are they basically just there learning? I think you can be too relaxed in camp, and that's surprising. You know, if different teams have different tempos. They've got a pretty veteran squad, um, you know, so maybe the intensity of practice wasn't that much, and maybe their goal, especially after what happened at Kimatu, and, and we know about John Beeson's injury. I mean, I think they probably at that point were trying to keep people healthy. I mean, that was probably the number one priority for that team at that point, so maybe that's why uh, maybe the practices weren't as crisp in your mind or they lacked some of the and you wrote recently about teams taking that one-year run at a player, just kind of bringing them in for that, that one season, uh, kind of one and done. We've got a hole now at defensive tackle, of course. Is there somebody out there that you feel like the team could take a, a one-year run at? You know, there are guys out there, you know, whether it's a, a Leroy Glover or a guy like John Thornton, and I'm sure there's other names I'm missing, but those guys have both said that they're retiring. They both don't seem really interested in it. So, I don't know. If I was Carolina, I'd be more interested in trying to to trade 
for somebody. Um, maybe maybe scour the waiver wire for a decent player that gets released, or try to trade for somebody, you know, who might be a number four D tackle somewhere else. You're not going to get much better than that um, in terms of the trade market. Most teams are going to want to keep their three best D tackles. So that's the problem in and of itself. If, if you're trading for a guy who's number four D tackle and he's two or three for you, that's not a good sign. All right, and looking at this this preseason. There there have been some problems. Each team is always going to be ironing out, you know, they're going to iron out problems. Uh, you're going to see a little rust on the players, of course, but it looks like, and maybe preseason's not a good barometer, but Julius Peppers has really been pretty invisible on the field. Should Do you think we should be a little concerned about that? Well, normally I would say no, and because of the preseason I'd say no, but remember he didn't do a whole lot two years ago. You know, in the 2007 season, he was pretty much invisible as well. So because he has that history with that, um, and that would be a little bit of a cause for concern in my mind, yes. Um, but I think he'll probably be fine. You know, he's playing under a one-year deal, so he understands the sense of urgency that he has to have another productive year and, and hopefully, in his mind, get that long-term, big-time contract extension. So um, I would guess... Um, you know, that he'll probably end up being fine. Well, we as fans do this all the time. You either like a player, you don't like a player. The same thing goes with coaches. Honestly, they always seem to think that unless the guy has won you a Super Bowl. If the coach hasn't taken us to the promised land, I don't like him. But do you think if the average fan met somebody, if or if they met John Fox specifically, do you think they would kind of change their tune and decide they like the guy? If you if they met him, yeah, I mean probably. I think most people. I, I, John Fox is a great guy, so I think most people that would meet John Fox would like him, and I think that they probably, you know, give him more of a benefit of doubt for that. I know I feel that way with people when it comes to the media. Now that I'm in the media, you know, if I like somebody or if I like how they come across, whether it's conscious or subconscious, I probably give them a little bit longer of a leash, as opposed to if there's a guy that really rubs me the wrong way or a guy I don't like it's probably easier for me, you know, to jump on them or criticize them. I think that's human nature. You try to be as objective as you can. You try to eliminate that, but uh, I think you'd be going against years and years of social engineering if you were able to really do that. Now, we've looked at the preseason. We've seen two games already, and then really that third game is sort of the final dress rehearsal, and everybody takes, or at least the starters take that last game off. And in some ways, the preseason is good. I know it's bad in other ways. And one is that because you've got live action, there are more injuries. We see it every season, and Lord knows the the Panthers are seeing it this season. But do you think those injuries coming from the preseason, could that be damaging the game a little bit? Well, they're always going to happen, though. You know, and a lot of them I don't feel like, I don't think feel like that many of them actually happen in the preseason games as opposed to just in training camp and in practices and, and whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's why most teams' goals this time of year is to come out of training camp healthy. But it's very rare that it happens. You're always going to probably lose somebody who's somewhat of a contributor to a football team. It's just a matter of how big of a contributor. And obviously down there in Carolina, uh, they lost a guy that's a huge contributor, both literally and figuratively, in Maki Kimatu. And with his loss, uh, that's a big hole in the middle, obviously, a guy that takes up a lot of space and usually is going to eat up at least two blockers on pretty much any running play. But 
it's a big issue for the team. It's something that they may or may not be able to iron out. Do you think there's is there something else? Is there another issue that that the team will face this season? You know, I don't know. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I think I'm down on their depth on the offensive line as well, and so. It's hard for me to imagine all those guys staying pretty healthy for the most part. Um, and so if one of those guys go down, you have to look and say, okay, who's the next guy in? There's no more Frank Omiali. There's no more Jeff Hangarner. Those guys don't exist on that football team anymore. So um, a lot of times you have to anticipate by the end of the year, really probably only having three of your starting offensive linemen still playing. Um, some teams like the Giants have been fortunate to keep their guys intact, but a lot of times one of those guys is going to go down at least. Well, Ross, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you uh, you taking time to join us this week. Anytime, John. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks, Ross. All right, thanks, John. You can't hear us on the radio, but we can be heard worldwide across the web. We are CCR. Hi, this is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Jonathan Stewart, and you're listening to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. Hey, don't forget to pay a visit with our sponsors at FantasyCPR.com. Fantasy football drafts are going on all over the place. Before you draft, and all season long, get the information you need to help you dominate your league at FantasyCPR.com. Before we go this week, I couldn't help myself. I think I've made it clear how I feel about Brett Favre and his egomaniacal ways, and I'm pretty sure that most would agree that ESPN has had a love affair with number four for years now. This past week, when the Vikings played the Texans, Favre was involved in an incident on the field in which he lined up wide in the Wildcat alignment. He threw a block on Eugene Wilson of Houston, which injured his knee. You might not believe this, but Ron Jaworski and Mike Tirico of ESPN seemed to turn on him a bit. You heard right. Not such kind words were uttered about Brett Favre on ESPN. Here's the proof. Favre threw the block out there and injured Eugene Wilson. Favre went low on Eugene Wilson, the safety, who's shaken up. Wow. It's a crackback block. Illegal crackback block. Number four, offense. 15-yard penalty. Repeat. First down. Incredibly, it's such a dangerous place for the defenders. He had bad ribs. There's Eugene Wilson. He goes right at his knees. Those are, at times, career-enders. You need a guy like that. I don't care if Brett Favre or not. That's not cool. No, it's not. That's it's not, not cool. cool at all. You're messing with a guy's career when you do that. That's not right. You know, maybe Favre will go thug on us, and we can all learn to hate him. I want to thank our old friend Nick Yeoman for joining us this week. Don't forget to check out his videos on YouTube. He can be found on the video site by searching Big Nick 2700. And my thanks to Ross Tucker for being with us once again and sharing his insights. His work can be located on SI.com as well as Sirius Satellite Radio. Which brings us to begging time. Be sure to subscribe to our little show on iTunes and while you're there, drop us a review. We ain't too proud to beg. 
I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old name.